It's really important to us to look for those cues, what interests they have with regard to in-person work versus fully remote work, and the flexibility they are asking for and expect to give us in return are all critical factors as we think about what staffing for the future looks like. I really enjoy immersing myself in the environment that I'm working in and being on Zoom, really hard to do that. This is the Language of Business, a podcast to inform and inspire entrepreneurs, anyone looking to change jobs or do a post-pandemic pivot. Learn strategies that work and strategies that don't work from experts who've been there and done that. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Greg Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. In this episode, we look at staffing challenges, especially in the world of higher education, and a recent college graduate new to the job market who spent his entire senior year as a virtual student. Did that change his job expectations? Here's Greg Stoller. Thank you, Don. Turnover is a part of any manager's career, but of course, it's never been a problem replacing people who leave, except when you're in the middle of a pandemic slash endemic. We're on location with Meredith Siegel, Associate Dean of Graduate Admissions and the MBA Student Experience at Boston University Questrom School of Business, and welcome to the Language of Business. Thanks so much, Greg. I'm happy to be here. Meredith, well before the pandemic, how many people did you have in your organization? Before the pandemic, I oversaw a team of 19 missions employees. But just at the start of the pandemic, Boston University instituted a hiring freeze. And at that point, I was asked to oversee a second team on an interim basis that had 11 employees on it. So 30 people in total. Yes. And what's happened over the past 20 months or so? We did indeed lose some folks who decided to change positions over the course of the last 20 months. You would imagine in an institution of higher education, often turnover a company's other opportunities, either the uh, chance to go back to school and retool one's skills and knowledge, or the opportunity to move on to the next kind of position that will bring new challenges and opportunities. In this case, we saw folks leaving for a myriad of reasons that were new to us as we began losing folks on our teams. And why was it new to you? Where are they going? We heard from folks who were interested in working in positions that were fully remote. That was new and something that we hadn't experienced in higher education. We saw folks who chose retirement because they found the transition from fully in-person workplace to a hybrid workplace to be a difficult one. And then we saw folks who had been working in their own businesses on the side for many years decide that this was the right time to take the plunge and go full force into more of an entrepreneurial experience. No matter what you read these days, in the media, everyone's talking about staffing challenges. Is higher education a victim of that as well? I would say so, yes. During the pandemic, so much control was taken away from each of us with regard to where we went and who we saw and gathering limitations, the way we engaged in work and at school. The one thing we all remained that we had in our control was the way we serve as professionals in the world. So with so many other decisions sort of removed from us, the fact that employees could continue to make personal choices about how they engage in professional life was something that was going to hit higher ed the way it did other industries. 
so many students are applying via these automated bots. You don't call anybody, you don't email them your resume, it's all done through AI. On the other side of it, how are you going to replace and replenish your 30-person team? We do try and hang on to the personal touch. It's really important to us to look for those cues, things that are important to us, the way employees engage with students, the way they engage with faculty members and each other, what interests they have with regard to in-person work versus fully remote work, and the flexibility they are asking for and expect to give us in return are all critical factors as we think about what staffing for the future looks like. So in preparing for this interview, we've heard from a number of people who have applied via these bots and they've never received a response. I love the personal touch. How does it work, again, on the other side of the desk? Are you receiving emails? Does the resume screen just pump out 10% of the applicants? Help us to understand what it means to be giving a personal touch. At Boston University, we use a platform called Silk Road managed by our central human resources office. Once a job is posted, we also have access to our own individual jobs on that Silk Road platform. Those of us hiring for the staff positions are getting into that platform and taking a look at all of the resumes that come in and trying to connect via email with each of the candidates that's applied for a job to learn a little bit more about their backgrounds, why they think this might be a good fit, what their interests are in higher ed, because some are coming into higher ed for the first time, and how they feel like they could contribute in our environment and our contributions to their work and professional growth as well. We want to reach out to candidates who apply for our jobs so that we can find out what they're seeking and what they can contribute to our, our organization as well as what they're seeking from an organization and what we can contribute to their working and professional growth. So much has changed during the pandemic in terms of our expectations. Are you seeing a different set of expectations from prospective employees beyond what you used to? Yes, we definitely seeing folks who are interested in workplace flexibility. The pandemic has taught us all that we can engage in professional life in different ways through platforms like Zoom, through better communication in email and messaging and really engaging with each other that way. So we are definitely seeing employees looking for more flexibility, looking for different ways to connect with colleagues, students, faculty, and also a different way of evaluating how success is bred among a team because of the way that we can leverage technology to get more done than we ever did. It is not lost on me that with a skeleton staff, you're still getting all of the work done. I think we all had to deal with that dilemma uh, and that new reality during the pandemic. It's impressive, but what happens if that becomes the new normal? I don't know that it can become the new norm. And I think that's an important point to underscore. There was so much that we all tried to do. We were putting fingers in all the holes of the dam. That's 
one of the factors that I think contributed to folks deciding that it was time to retool, it was time to learn more, it was time to move to another stage or place of employment. So it becomes incumbent upon us as we bring staff into our organization to decide how we're going to work together in a more efficient, more effective way so that we're not just piling and piling and piling on a smaller team of people, but that we're using that team to achieve strategic goals with regard to moving our organizations forward. And that's true in higher ed and in every other industry too. Meredith, thank you very much. Thank you. Meredith Siegel, Associate Dean for Graduate Admissions and the MBA Student Experience at Boston University Question School of Business. Don, back to you. Thanks, Greg. Next up, a recent college graduate new to the job market who spent his entire senior year as a virtual student and how that affected his workplace expectations when the language of business continues. I didn't even realize what it meant to be in a top tier business school until my first day. And I just really, for the first time, felt like I was in a place where everybody knew what was going on and everyone was incredibly driven to study this and perfect this field. And so I think being in a top business school really means that you are finding the barriers and the edges of the field and pushing them a little farther. And that's what Questrom has taught me over the past four years. Questrom's really helpful because you get to not only study the basics of business, such as accounting or marketing, but you really get to dive further in and to see applications of the health sector and how business applies to sustainability efforts around the world. They really want us to kind of focus it on four emerging areas, and those areas were healthcare, security, sustainability, and technology. Those are really where the jobs are going to be. They really want us to come out from the Question School of Business and be able to work in any area of the industry. Interested? Go to bu.edu slash questrom. You're listening to The Language of Business. We heard about staffing challenges in the world of higher education. Now we'll hear from a recent college graduate who spent his entire senior year as a virtual student. How did that affect his workplace expectations? Back to Greg Stoller for the story. Thank you, Don. Rodrigo Contreras just received his undergraduate degree. Congratulations, by the way. However, along with many of his classmates and faculty, and despite Herculean efforts on behalf of the university to the contrary, unfortunately for everybody involved, we spent a lot more time than we wanted to behind a computer rather than teaching and learning in person. But here's the interesting question. For someone like Rodrigo who just graduated, has that positively or negatively influenced what type of job he wants and what type of work environment he wants to physically operate in? Rodrigo, welcome to the Language of Business. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to be here. You just graduated and you experienced and survived Zoom. I'm not going to say Zoom University because I know universities like BU really tried hard to deliver as much as we could in person. But has that influenced your type of job you want to look for, an industry or something of that ilk? It definitely has influenced it. While being remote is something that I never thought I would like and liked more than I did, it sort of reinforced me liking being in person and working in person. So it's definitely something that I'm going to try to aim for as much as possible. So did Zoom not go well for you in the classroom, at least? It's not that it didn't go well. It went well. I got taught and I took a lot out of my classes. It's just that I really enjoy being in person. From an academic standpoint, I really enjoy making connections with my professors, getting to know them. 
And over Zoom, that's very difficult to do when you just have to log on like a minute before and then you immediately log off afterwards. It's hard to talk to your professor and really get to know them. But how about working for somebody? Would you prefer to basically lock yourself in your apartment and do your work and go to the office one day a week? Or completely 180 degrees in the opposite direction, would you want to work in an office full-time, eight hours a day, five days a week? I would much prefer to work full-time in an office, eight hours a day, five days a week. I really enjoy immersing myself in the environment that I'm working in. And being on Zoom, really hard to do that. I would start working and then something would happen somewhere in my apartment, my house. And then all of a sudden my attention was on that rather than work. And so I found that work-life balance was really blurred. I'd find myself not doing work when I was supposed to and then working when I was, it was 11 at night and I was just looking to relax. But again, are you there for five days a week or would you want to do one, maybe two days a week at home? Definitely there five days a week. I also really enjoy building relationships with coworkers, getting to know them. I would much prefer to be in person as much as possible. Any positives that emerged for you from your experience online with COVID? Yes, definitely. I found myself learning how to manage my time a lot better, as well as sort of my problem solving skills got improved drastically. Time management, as I said, the work-life balance sort of forced me to may use my time more efficiently, which is something that I thought I was pretty good at beforehand, but that has only improved since. I and mean, in terms of sort of helping my problem-solving skills, because in person, you can, if you run into a fork in the road when you're working on a project or something like that, you can turn to a coworker and ask them for their opinion, go to a boss and say, hey, what do you think we should do? On Zoom, that's not something you can do. You can do it, but you might get a response way later than you, you need it. And so it really helped develop those skills and figure out what's the best path to go down and to go down that path. And has that influenced your higher productivity, your higher efficiency, any different types of industries you're now looking to work in? post-graduation? I don't know if how much it has definitely helped me in that sense. I wanted to go into consulting beforehand. And I'm still very interested in that field using those problem-solving skills, but I don't know if it has really influenced me a whole lot. You are from an international heritage. Do you find that the environments outside of the United States are similar in terms of where the United States is now with respect to our reopening? I think that it depends really on the work culture of a country, and that sort of dictates how much they want to go back in person. Mexico has a really similar work culture to the US, and so they're really pushing for going back in person and getting everything back. They believe that if you're there, you can be more productive. I was talking with a coworker from Belgium a couple of days ago, and in Brussels, it's completely the opposite. They're really more relaxed, and they're letting employees choose if they want to go back into work. The mentality is work where you feel the safest and where you're most productive, and they're okay with that. Given that different countries are reacting in a disparate manner about reopening, has COVID, especially if you want to pursue the consulting track, either excited you or scared the heck out of you in terms of working and traveling internationally? It definitely hasn't. I'm lucky in the sense that I'm young. I'm in a percentile that isn't really severely affected with COVID. I'm vaccinated. So for me, I'm down to travel. I'm down to go anywhere. If it becomes a problem, it becomes a problem. But until then, I'm happy to travel. I'm happy to continue life as usual. Rodrigo, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Rodrigo Contreras, recent graduate of Boston University, talking about going into the job market post-COVID. Don, back to you. Thanks, Greg. Support for the language of business is from Boston University Questrom School of Business. We now have downloads in 40 states plus DC, and international downloads are now up to 77, plus several more marked as unknown countries. We appreciate the support. If you enjoy the language of business, please subscribe 
and tell a friend. The Language of Business is available wherever you get podcasts, or just ask Alexa. Our social media is by Jennifer Powell of the Excellent Writers Group. Music by Randy Barth of Osui Media Group. Consulting producer Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. Direction, audio editing, and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of somethingyoushouldknow.net. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, thanks for listening to The Language of Business.